Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Welcome to Friday. Week's nearly over. I've just spent the last 15 minutes trying to recover enough so I don't look like I'm fresh out of a workout, but I've failed. As it's flashed my face back up on screen, I can tell I look war-weary uh, from a bit of a workout. Now, I keep mentioning this, that I've been working out because it's bloody rare. my second session in about 18 months, and so I'm clearly not fit enough to jump back on, on air straight afterwards. So I'm going to work on that. Friday sessions I always enjoy. They're always a little more extra casual, and so I'm pleased how this one's played out because much like the rest of the CSP Council election series, uh, I'm obviously vouching for these and, and, and love these candidates to bits, but this particular lady is uh, what I'd consider a, a personal friend. She might disagree. That would be a fun thing for her to do straight away out of the gates, but uh, someone that I worked closely with when I worked in uh, Staffordshire uh, for the IPO, then IPOP service. And so I'm, I'm delighted to have Emma on the show and to talk things through with her and, and uh, know firsthand, both personally and professionally, just how well suited she is for this, this role. And so it's just a pleasure to be doing that on a Friday show. As ever, let me know if you can hear us loud and clear. It's always my tech paranoia, although we, we seem to be working fairly well in recent shows. So eventually I will stop asking that at the top of every single show. Um, what I will do is then hopefully just with a click of a couple of buttons, I'll bring on Emma Busby. Emma, can you hear me? I can, Jack. Thank you very much. Thanks. Now, yeah, we can be friends. We can be friends. Good. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Well, let's make sure that that's and it's in my best interest for that to still be the case in half an hour's time. So I'll, I'll behave myself. Um, and so we worked together. Uh, it's uh, too long ago now, but it's been a couple of years since we worked shoulder to shoulder. Um, but as part of the IPOP service, that's where we got to know each other. And why, as I say, I feel it's a, a really... I was, I was so pleased to hear uh, those whispers that you were you were thinking of running and, uh, and that I know so so well your suitability as a candidate. But instead of me telling your story, you're probably hearing best to tell it yourself. So could you just give us a bit of a background for those that don't know you as to what your story is within the profession so far? Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Jack. Um, can I just ask one thing? Can I absolute respect to all of the candidates, though, who are standing for council? Um, they are all going to have so many positives to bring and it can only make the CSP's council stronger um, after the elections. And like you've alluded to, please, please, even if, you know, I'm not your first choice, please vote, though. Please don't just leave it. You know, we need to get our membership. It's membership led and we need to get our members elected. So yeah. thank you. I just wanted to. No, it's a good point. That, that engagement that we've all been talking about. And I know when each of you have said it, like I know you mean it, is that that is a big issue that we all feel strongly about is that we need to make sure that regardless of who it is and also the fortune of there being such a brilliant set of candidates that therefore it is a movement for change. So no, definitely well worth saying. But anyway, back to my question, please. Okay then, so back to me. So um, I've been a physio assistant practitioner working in the NHS um, for nearly 18 years now. And I've worked my way up through the bandings as an assistant. So I started as a band two when I very first started in 2003 and progressed. And I've been a band four now for about eight years. Um, more recently, I undertook my level five for assistant practitioners. So I got my qualification there. Um, but I've, I'm developing this interest into leadership. So I now actually have two job roles. So I'm also team coordinator and a physio assistant practitioner. And I've started my level five apprenticeship in operational management and leadership because that's part of where my passion is lying. Sure. 
Um, so what what about me? What have I done? I've I've helped lead on various sort of projects. I've done I've done quite a bit. So led on my Oasis program, um, which has been quite a big part of the work that I've done. And I think it's given me exposure. Mm. I think it's given me exposure to to a national stage to lots more than I knew was even out there. Um, I've spoke at NICE, I've spoke at the Guidelines International Network, promoting work that we do in physio, because it's really important that we share, we need to stop working in these silos, Mm. um, because there's so much good work out there that I want to know it all, and there's just, it doesn't seem to be shared across the board. Um, More recently, though, I've contributed and facilitated to discussions um, at Physio UK on how we develop our support workers. And this is where I think my passion now is starting to really come in, is how do we support our support workers? How Mm. do we get them recognised as a profession in their own right? Mm. I think that that's that's been interesting for me um, when getting to know you and your roles and responsibilities within departments. It's kind of a known age-old adage in in many departments that that the pivotal members of staff are the support workers however it did take admittedly for me to work with you to realize just how far that can reach into leadership and not just operational and organizational leadership within within departments but actually then clinical and and academic leadership on projects and audit and things which is where I think it'd be worth us unpacking a little bit some of that oasis work because I Mm -hmm. think unless you know it might be that I was just uniquely ignorant but I suspect that many would not realize just the extent of that how high that ceiling is for support workers such as you to be doing projects that that are certainly far beyond anything I've taken up personally in departmental audit and then presenting that back. So could you just unpack what is OASIS, what's the acronym stand for, and how far did you take that project? Okay, so OASIS is for Osteoarthritis, Self-Management and Independent Living Support Group. So OASIS is a lot easier to to put down on paper. Um, It started with release of guidelines in 2014 um, for the OA guidelines from NICE. And a few of us were put together. And whenever groups put together, that lead, the one that's in charge tends to, you know, emerge out of it. So I became the project lead for the Oasis um, project. Now, I do have to say, without the close working of the physios and all those contributions, you know, I couldn't have done it. But I also had a complete backing of clinical leads who said, go on then, why not? Why can't you? go out and project lead this why can't you undertake audit why can't you do that and it's my big question why not well because I'm a support worker and it was like no go on so I was massively encouraged so I've been involved with the audit the research the audit um, and I've also presented on the national stage about it we've won awards for it Um, I won myself the um Advancing Healthcare Award in 2019 for Outstanding Achievement by an Apprenticeship Support Worker or Technician for the role I took in Oasis. I've also contributed to the write-up. I've had a piece of work published. And if it had not been for those people behind me going, why not? Why can't support workers do it? Mm. But then you but then you did it. That's one of the things. Yeah. That's, it's like, yes, of course, they, they, I'm, gl- I'm so glad they were encouraging you. And there's, there's some there's some pushing from behind, there's some pulling from the front, yeah. but then you did it. What was it then about that support 
that has made you and what what are the sort of constituent parts of what they did to encourage you that's made you such an advocate for being that person for other people because that's one of the things that sometimes happens that there's this analogy that people say that people pull the ladder up behind them and it's like I can't believe how opposite it is for you is that with as soon as you've realized that you've thrown three ladders back down and you're really trying to set precedent what is it then the, the the parts of that from either those characters or the system that you want to then emulate um part of it is my self-belief and, and the belief that others had in me you know they they are they're there behind me they're pushing me and then as soon as i understood that i was like do you know what there is nothing that says i can't do this right. so let's do it i will challenge then the norm i will go out and have a and and go okay then just do it and that's what i said in the end so when we've had the question of why not now i'm like just do it we can you can do it as long as you've got the right the right thought you know the right belief the right people behind you and the people need to be there but i've i've grown now and i can see the potential that's been unlocked in me and i want to unlock that in all the support workers that are out there Mm, and what make, what is it about those things that then make you, I mean, it feels like it's a really obvious direct line between that and what makes you well-placed for counsel, but I don't necessarily even know the answer to this question as to why now. You know, the timing thing for yeah. you uh, was obviously, I was so pleased to see it, but then, you know, unfortunately, as, as much as we try and keep in touch, it is, it is far less than it used to be. So just, you know, can you give me any insight in that direction? now's now's the right time for me personally um so the the child rearing days are done uh he's moved out so i've got a, a lot a bit more time um my my rolling with the team and undertaking my operational management and leadership um apprenticeship is actually giving me the confidence now to say actually i can go out there i've got a few more tools i've got a few more sort of resources there that i can i can pull on and there is so much talk at the moment in with the CSP, with Health Education England, about developing and supporting the support worker that now's the right time to, to get in there to, to try and make those links between our registered and our unregistered staff. And let's try and build a, a better and brighter future for support workers and registered staff because there's such a skills gap out there because the registered staff are now being used more for FCP roles. They're seeing more of the complex patients that actually there is a skills gap there that we can fill with the right support, competencies, governance. We can fill that gap. It's not about us coming in and wanting to take that role, which I know is a threat. I know people can see that as a bit of a... mm, can they do it but give us the right tools give us the right support the competencies give us the right governance and we can help support teams and make the profession so much stronger and I think that that's what's been interesting about some of your work especially where you've not just said that off a subjective opinion you've then backed that up and proven it by thorough data-led audit that's demonstrated that the the outcomes are comparable if not better under the projects of which you've you've led on and I think that again that's just one of them things that I uh, especially once I was working within it then it it would have been difficult to retain sort of any cynicism or or skepticism that that would work watching it happen it didn't surprise me when that data demonstrated it but I think when you then see that in published material and you see it like for like and you see also how 
locally specific you made the project and i think that, that was one of the things that you walked into is a little bit of controversy where people were wanted to cookie cut away you know nice gardens and then you yeah. were retaining a, a bit of relevant community centric um sort of sway to it was because you know the community in which you serve and that's one of the things i wanted to sort of bring in if i could about insight and it does say in your in your piece that people should read within the uh, election um the election booklet thing it does mention this i'm glad it does because you're a very uh, established scout leader that's now deputy district commissioner for your area and that I know how that affects you knowing the community in which we serve. You were, especially for me, right, cycling across country and getting the train down from Warrington to a faraway land called Staffordshire. It was it was you being able to upskill me on some of the, the demographic information and to understand what makes people tick around here, what community services, et cetera. And, and I, until then, didn't realize just how valuable those sorts of insights can be. How much do you feel that you, on your on, on that side of your life, uh, is, is skill sets and and, uh, and insights that you'll be able to take forward as well? I've, I think there's loads uh, links that can be you know made there because it, people talk, you know, so people don't know what I do sometimes as a day job when I'm a scout leader right. and you know you hear bits of conversations you know that parents talk and stuff and they'll be like you know oh, I've had physio and I've had this or and and it's understanding what our community needs what our community wants are and where we can signpost our patients to to probably undertake a lot of their their rehab and actually in part of the community so let you know trying to get them that it's not a it's not a hospital-led program the oasis is a perfect example of this you know how can i build links with the community and know what's out there where i can say to my patient go and do this program you can undertake your your um rehab in these scenarios um so i just think it i understand what our patients want i hear what they want and what I can do then is bring that back into the team and say, actually, this is what they want, you know, and um, that that co-creation, you know, of using our patients' input and our work stuff and pulling those together. I think that's where support workers are really, really valuable as well because they provide massive links. Do you between... think there is? Do you think there is something to be said for people opening up a little more to support workers sometimes than Definitely. professionals? Because as as approachable as we really are, are trying to be, and I think that those you know your contemporary MSK clinicians, many of which, of course, in in your team, are always trying to make sure that there isn't oh, yeah. artificial barriers. But there's still something to be said for the professionalized nature of that and 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 that barrier do you still see that then um yeah i i think sometimes we have a little bit more time to spend with them you right. know when 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 you you register staff are going through you know they have got a role to play in in you know devising their care plans to you know with the patients um on board but i think we've just got a little bit of time and i think it's sometimes it's it's some of the the real bespoke soft skills that the support workers have that they've got this ability to talk to drag conversations out and I think because we give them time sometimes a lot of stuff gets revealed I know I personally have, have had to sort of refer patients back because something's different to what's written there because they've not disclosed something to to the physios mm. um so I do think it's 
there are some massive sort of skills, especially around the soft skills, the communications, the way we are with patients. And I'm not saying the register staff aren't like that, but this is one of the skills that hopefully I'm working with to try and also support um, sort of practice-based learning. So actually the students spending time with support workers, it's something else that I really want to try and encourage. And this is one of the things we're going for the CSP sort of uh, elections is, is how can we harness the links between support workers and the students? How can we support those students better on practice-based learning by giving them the benefit of our knowledge? Absolutely. Yeah, they need exposing to that and getting those insights because I think there is something that that, that helps join up service delivery. That, that, that support work, good support workers are an obvious bridge between patients and professionals when there is a, a an arbitrary gap that gets created sometimes it's that can be can be helped but sometimes it's difficult to have that long-term culture shift that would be required to bridge that gap sometimes you know the 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 quality of support worker as well as you know well-supported support staff could could bring just on well I'm asking most of the you know I'm trying to make sure I ask all the candidates now because I didn't realize it was emerging as a theme is if I could invite your general analysis then as to the the CSP as it stands you know what what is it that you're sort of a hot take is on on it as well as then going towards what you feel should be priorities that you would like to bring forward as part of an agenda uh, for, for any changes okay so there, there is quite there is a there is a big shift at the moment to to supporting the support workers and raising our profile right. um it's getting there it's not there yet but you know that would be my piece of work that i'd really like to uh to work hard on and increase and carry on increasing that um, that profile. So I, I think that's one of those, for me, one of those sort of hotter topics and building those links between registered staff and unregistered and how we can, how we can build those links and, and make those links stronger to benefit the profession. Mm. But I think we've got, to, somehow we've got to get out there that, and it would be great to see this, the CSP supporting this and moving forward this is, we need a structured career framework to support our support workers. And it would be something I'd be really interested in trying to help drive forward. Um, Health Education England have started part of this work as well about the IHP support worker framework. I'd love to see the support worker and an associate member as a as a career in itself, you know, going to um careers fairs with schools actively promoting this as a a bona fide um career pathway because i don't want mm. to go into the the next stage which is to go to the physio I'm, i want to go into leadership and stuff so i'm not following a linear path i wonder if that's like because i think it's and to some extent, I can understand why the CSP as an organisation would often be crossing its fingers that a certain percentage of its support workforce just want to become qualified because yeah, it's, it's right, pipeline. Right. You can understand that. And, and sometimes that's so appropriate. We all know of therapists that that, that, that went that way, um, including Leanne, who was on the show yeah, a couple of days ago. Such, such an incredible example, of course. But it's also then a really good point that you're making that that isn't necessarily appropriate for everyone. And me and you yes. had those conversations into when we both should have gone home uh, and instead we were chatting about some of that and, and, and me understanding that and, and coming to realize just how inappropriate that would be compared not a way of getting the best out of you and you getting uh, you being able to contribute as much as you do to the, to the health service as well as the department 
But I think what I wonder, because it, it's a, a minority constituency, shall we say, within uh, the uh, electorate that you're trying to appeal to. Yeah. If we could just take a moment then, what would you say to qualified staff listening to this, of which a majority of our audience admittedly, what would you say as the benefits to them if they needed to be overt and specific ones to what you're describing? Okay, I, I think there is, a, support workers can strengthen our workforce. It can only be a positive, um, but we need, the voice needs to be heard. It needs to be represented, I think, as at that council level. Right. You know, and if the CSP, you know, and they're saying that, that they want to rep, it's member led. So if they're going to have associate members on that, why not? You know, they're going to look after associate members. Then why don't we have an associate member on council who can represent, granted, like you say, a smaller proportion of their their membership. But what to have that voice on there would would show and that they're serious about supporting the support worker. How confident are you of being able to then understand and, and, and take forward some of those wider issues that more more typically do affect registered staff more than they would support issues? Yeah. Especially those, you know, the, those infamous top of license things that I think get more airtime than they should do, but still are often hot on the agenda politically. It, it is hard. And I've listened, I mean, I have listened to all the shows this week, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, governance um, and, and other things, you know, like that. It's still, I think for, for us, we still need, I want the, the fairness, fairness is fairness, equitable, equitable access for all, you know, and that, that doesn't matter what, what colour shirt you wear or what you do. It's about having that, that for me, as I say, it's the fairness. It's the the influence of what registers staff. It's growing, right. and I think it's something that I'm sure if we harnessed, if we really took on board, you know, it can only be for the better of the membership because it can help support clinics. It can give much needed support. You know, we always we always need somebody to help. We always need somebody to do. It. And if you can empower. And if you can influence and you can support those support workers to do some of those roles that could take the pressures off yourself, why can't they, you get them involved in audit? Why can't we have more support workers getting their name on published pieces? They can do nearly anything. I think there's three things we can't do. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that's interesting is that it, it is so telling how few times that comes up how little that comes up in conversations about workforce it's often about more it's about students it's a, but but fundamentally there is that untapped resource now you mentioned off air about the fact that then associate assistant members so i forget the exact terminology aren't necessarily then members of the csp and i didn't, I didn't realize that and so uh, because because it's sort of an it's a known and, and, and clever pipeline within normal practice that it becomes a rite of passage and people become yeah. a chartered member as, as a means of then once they, once they qualify. I probably assumed that, that, that physio assistants then did the same, but clearly not. No, unfortunately, because we don't like have to do HCPC registration, um, you can be employed by, you know, your trust or wherever you work. There is no unless your department encourages you to join the CSP, there is no sort of need to. Right. 
Right, yeah, because because often you don't need it for insurance. Like no. often that's the reason people typically yeah. do it. Yes, it's it's uh, but also trade union. Yeah, so I think now is now is the time for you know when I've spoken to other people now is the time for us to say well actually what are the benefits of your support workers joining with the CSB and I think you know you get a voice. Um, we've got our own reference groups. Um, raises profiles of the role um your own personal development you know there's things that the csp have given me access to doing that have helped me get to where i am today to sit here now and go do you know what i'm going to stand up for council now fair play now a question coming from simon simon asks did it feel daunting when you were when you were doing the public speaking into a professional audience that's usually you know, more classically for reserved for professionals yeah definitely and it still does um you know i still i still have the moments where i i worry and i still doubt myself but i do have to have that actually i want to represent the workforce so unless i lead by example and stand up there and say actually this is me i am representing the support worker workforce i can't ask anybody else to but it is daunting and what i found is I've probably worried about it more because when people have come to speak to me afterwards, they don't speak to me any different than they speak to, say, my physio colleague that stood next to me. And they come and talk to me. They don't necessarily go to the physio. How, how um, just on, on average, how well received has it been? Do, do, do you get any, is there any fringe group that's hostile to it or demeaning or anything? Or has it been generally well received? Generally, it's been really well received. Um, I believe, you know, I am respected by by my colleagues both registered and unregistered um i'm very honest um i'm very sort of you see what you get i'm down to earth hard working and i think you can't take that away from people you know if people are genuinely like that i don't think there's anything that you can hold in you know like any hostilities towards that person if they're if they are genuine i've never pretended to be anything i'm not i'm a support worker and i'm proud to be a support worker mm. i'm proud to be a csp member and more than anything else i just want to make sure that our part is represented within that uh, within the csp it makes sense i, I i've um, i was one of the advocates for the constitutional reforms that then didn't necessarily guarantee that seat at the table but then here of course advocating for that then to be an elected position that would be then great to have that representation do you think that is the right way around or do you think that maybe me and others have been a bit clumsy there no i think we've had to work to this point i do think we've had to work up to this point but i think it's now the time's right to shine the spotlight on the support workers to actually show the benefit and what they can bring to the teams and if we can do that i think now's the time that we can start to say actually some representation from that cohort because how can we work alongside them if we've got no representation from them mm, no it's, it's it's a good point i think it's one of the things that's always I still continue to ponder with regards to exactly what would be the best constitutional framework for the CSP's council to make sure that it's yeah. then, uh, you know, agile enough to adapt, but then also doesn't doesn't have because the silos that you mentioned earlier were, were definitely manifesting a few years back. Um, so it's really interesting and exciting to see what what emerges from it. In terms of the process and what you hope for, for, for the future, what is it you feel you would like to take forward? Um, aside from obviously you, you've mentioned a couple of times the supporting the support workers and being an advocate for them, what do you feel would be, you know, on the, what do you want to, the CSP to have high up on its agenda? I think 
the support support for the membership in general right. um we want we want the best outcomes for our, for our patients you know our patients are our, are our business so mm. it'd be really good to making sure we get the best outcomes the to work in co-creation with our patients to make sure that we're offering them what what they want not what we think they want right. um i mean we, we hear you know we do speak about you know the best evidence-based practice that's out there making sure that you know we're not that we're doing the right things maybe not always the easy thing um but yeah I d there's lots of areas i don't know and i am more than happy to say i don't know and i know that's been a little bit of a, a theme with some of the others but I've never known. I've I've always had to ask questions. I've always banged on the door. I've always said, "Can yeah. you please tell me?" So I think that would still be the case, you know, if things yeah. were to progress. And and typically, I remember from from our days working together that inevitably it was just Emma just needing to sense check something, but inevitably she, of course, knew the answer. Um, and that will be the case here. Um, I really think that you, your analysis of things is always is always bang on. Very very thoughtful before you speak. It's uh, something I've tried to learn from because that's not my instinct, as you know. And um, so what I want to just finish with is, is as we go into the sort of uh, voting for, for council, you mentioned at the start that you don't want people to engage with the process and with the membership. Is that something that you see as being like the others have mentioned? Does it resonate with you that, that actually that disengaged uh, part of, of it do you agree that that is a concern and yeah it, it is because we're asking people to vote and yet nobody really knows either what they're voting for or you know and, and what's the point um and so whether there's changes in the process that can be made you know whether we can have some some like electronic voting you know that there's very i'm sure there's different ways that we can but i would be really interested to sort of try and scope out the membership to see what are those barriers to voting does is it because it doesn't make any difference is it because i don't know or i don't even care sometimes you know that's what i'd like to do yeah exactly we, we want to know don't we as to is there a lot of apathy or is it just yeah. the mechanics of it mean that people would, would just don't get round to etc so we want to try and find that out i totally agree but as you started with you know let's let's make sure that people uh you know get pen on paper uh, and get yeah. that done regardless of who it is but certainly you can hear from me and and i uh, hope this is uh proving the point that we're wanting to make that that i'm a, such a, a great candidate for you to, to to get your numbers into into that box and vouch for Emma on council. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. I'm sorry that this is us catching up for the first time in a while. So let's make sure we do this off air sometime soon and, and, okay. and get together for one of them famous big hugs that we, uh, we've we shared before. Yeah. So I look forward to that again. Thanks Brilliant. again for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you and, all. Uh, I'll see you all next week for more tuning it over. We've got Ishmael Betford on Monday, which is the first, uh, the final one of the five shows with my picks for, for CSP council. Just to remind you of those again, uh, that's my ballot paper that's uh, now no longer on my desk. That's gone off. Um, and what I what I will be, be voting, obviously, I'm not saying, oh, I need to, that's, I'm, I've got one of them sort of hidden there, isn't it? There we go. Sorry, Sue. That's, that's better. There we go. Um, so clumsy use of technology for me to finish the week. Uh, but otherwise, I'll see you all next week for more Tune It Over. Bye for now.